The following audio is from Central Christian Church, located in Portales, New Mexico. To connect with Central, go to centralwired.org.
slide that Don put up that said it could be worse and went, are you kidding me? That was my thought. You know, it's every one of us has got our own set of struggles and troubles. And I, when I was getting ready, I, I thought back when I would talk to my dad. You know, how many of you remember going to your dad and having a problem and Dad would sit there, and he'd listen to me, and he'd smile, and he'd quote John 16:33. Let me read that to you. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have trials and sorrows. Like, thanks, Dad. It doesn't help. But it, it's something that it's something that we all have. I, I found a little story I, I, I'd like to read. <clears throat> a rich man every night would pray the same prayer to God. He repeated his prayer over and over on a daily basis. In his words, he would ask God, "Please do one favor for me, at least one favor." And I've been asking you this all my life. As you clearly know, I am the most unhappy man on earth. Why have you made my life full of problems? I'm ready to exchange my difficulties with anybody else. Anybody will do. Just let me exchange my troubles with someone else. I don't ask for bliss. But can't you grant me this one single opportunity to exchange my worries with someone else? And one night when he was in a dream, he saw God. A heavenly voice came down from high above saying, Gather all your miseries into a bag and bring them to the temple. So the whole town would pack their miseries into big bags and bring them to the hall. This man has a big time. His time has come. Something great is going to happen. And he rushes with his bundle. And on the way he finds others are also rushing. By the time he reaches the hall... He's not just afraid, he is very afraid because he saw people carrying bigger bags than his. People that had always seemed smiling in beautiful clothes and always saying nice things to each other and they're carrying a bigger bag than his. He starts to become a little hesitant whether or not to go, but he had been praying for this his whole life, so he says, let's see what will happen. They enter the hall and the voice says, now Put your bags around the hall. So everyone drops their bags. Now, choose any bundle that you would like. And the miracle of miracles happens. Everyone picks up their own bag. This man also rushes so fast toward his own bag, afraid somebody else will choose it, and then he will be at a loss. Everyone has chosen his own bag with great relief, and they are all happy, carrying their bags back to their homes. Even the man who prayed his whole life just to exchange his misery is very happy for the simple reason that who knows what's in others' bags. 
at least we're aware of our own problems, and we have become accustomed, we've become adjusted to our own difficulties. You know, the moral of this story is everybody's got problems, and we don't know what they are. You know, there's a lot of ways... There's a lot of ways I could have gone with this. You know, you can go to be kind or try to lift each other's burdens. It's not where I want to go today. Uh, In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, it says, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. In a minute, we're fixing to partake communion, the greatest gift we've ever known. The one act on the earth that helps us or allows us to completely get rid of our bag. Before that, in verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith through Jesus, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. So just like in that story, we've all got things in our bag. What is in your bag? Because in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, It says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. We've all got a bag, and we've all got a way to get rid of that. God has said he wants our cares and troubles. It doesn't say, give some of your worries. It says, give them all. He cares for us. So as we partake communion today... Thank God for this gift to us and ask yourself, what's in your bag? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you have given us a way back to you, salvation through Jesus. Father, draw us closer to you. Soften our hearts. Allow us to see others and to help and reassure and comfort as we all go through our struggles in life. Father, we thank you for your love and your blessings every day, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Christian Herter was the governor of Massachusetts. In 1953, he was running for re-election, and they, he had been campaigning all day, and he had never had a chance to eat. So they had a campaign rally at a church that night, and they were doing a kind of a church feeding. And so he was going through the line, and he hadn't eaten, and he was tired, and he was hungry. He got up to the line, and the lady gave him one chicken leg, and, and he said, Ma'am, I'm tired. I'm hungry. Is there any? Can I have some more, please? She said, I'm sorry, no, no, I'm just one per customer. And uh, move on down the line. He, and apparently he was a very unassuming man. He, didn't, he, he wasn't angry or anything like that, but he felt like this would be a time I could kind of throw my weight around a little bit. So he said, ma'am, do you know who I am? I am the governor of the state of Massachusetts. And she looked at him and said, do you know who I am? I am the lady in charge of the chicken. Move along, please. And that story raises a question that we have wrestled with since the Garden of Eden. Who is really in charge? We're in this series called American Idols. We are trying to smash some of the things that we worship in this country and in our culture. And the one we're looking at today is called the God of Control. We're going to be in Genesis 11 if you want to join us there. If you're joining us on the radio or online, find Genesis chapter 11. Uh, w all over the airwaves and the bookstores will tell you, take charge of your life. Be number one in your life. Make sure that you are getting what you deserve. But the Bible will tell us something different. We're continuing in this study, and it has not been easy, and I'm warning you, it's not getting any easier. So join me in Genesis chapter 11. You recognize this story as the Tower of Babel. In verse 3, they begin saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, and tar was used for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Look down verse 6. Look, God said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will uh, be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and see them. Then they won't be able to understand it, each other. And that way the Lord scattered them all over the world. They stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. Many of you know I like reading philosophers. One of my favorites is a guy named Theodore S. Geisel. You know him as Dr. Seuss. And he wrote one of uh, a very controversial book at the time, Yertle the Turtle. Maybe you know this story. But Yertle the Turtle is very controversial, not because of what you think. It is blatantly about Hitler. There is no question. He was very clear that that's what it was about. He didn't hide it at all. So everybody thinks, oh, that was why it was controversial. No, that wasn't why it was controversial. It was because one word he used at the end of the story, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Yertle the turtle is a, a turtle that he sees he wants to be in control. And the more control he got, the more he wanted. So he started standing himself on top of other turtles. 
And he wanted to see more, and so he'd get more turtles, and he'd stand on them. And he got to see the top of things, and that wasn't enough. He wanted to see the trees, so he got more turtles, and he got to see the trees. But he saw the birds flying around. I want to see the birds, so he gets more turtles. I want to get above the clouds. I want more control. I want to see everything. But at the bottom of the pile was a turtle named Mac. Mac didn't really like this play. He didn't really like how this was working out. He didn't like being, certainly didn't like being the bottom, and he complained, but nobody listened to him. And the story, and the reason this is so controversial, in the story it says, he did a simple thing, and he let out, and it was this four-letter word that was used, he let out a burp. That was controversial at the time, because that was a big deal. We shouldn't say things like that in books. And that was the big controversy. And it says, and his burp shook the throne of the king. John Ortberg later on came along and said, we are all just one burp away from reality. You see, there's a little yertle, the turtle in all of us. Many of us have made an idol of control. The advertisers tell us, have it your way. I got a hunch they're talking about more than hamburgers. They want you to run you. You get what you want. You deserve it. You see, we all have a great desire to have order in our lives, and we have a great frustration when our plans are challenged. Now, some of you are type A people, and you're organized, and you're structured, and I love you, and I appreciate you, and I am not picking on you. Okay, I'm a recovering type A. I'm married to one. It's I understand it, all right? I am not mad, and that is not what this sermon is about. But I will tell you, it is a very short step from being controlling to being an idol of control. And we will do unhealthy things to get it. Last week, we talked about materialism and how we will get stuff so that we will be secure, that we will be comfortable. As soon as we have enough stuff and we have enough money and our 401k is okay, then it doesn't really matter what happens in the newspaper. It doesn't really matter what happens on Wall Street. I'm okay. And we'll do unhealthy stuff to get it. But we will continue that in our relationships and we will resort to manipulation. Now, I make that one statement, and and a lot of people in their head, when I say, we'll resort to manipulation, you immediately go, I know somebody that needs to hear this. Okay? I'm telling you, I am not speaking to them this morning. I'm not even really speaking to you. I'm speaking to me, and you got to listen. Okay? So, but I'm going to encourage you in the next few minutes to not try to assign some of these things to other people. I'm going to encourage you to look in the mirror and see if God is speaking to you here. Because when we want control, we will resort to manipulation in our relationships. A husband, a husband that has a temper, will blow up at the kids. And they will be in fear, but the dad gets what he wants. Their fear of his explosive temper gives him control of the house, which is what he wants. But the mom is not exempt from this. The mom will try to control the dad. She gives the husband the silent treatment, withholds intimacy, or the other direction, nag, 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 nag. And her manipulation gets her control of the house. And there is a constant battle instead of a teamwork. One of the worst places we will find this, I think, is in religion. It is the source of legalism. And I really think it's the source of about 95% of all church fights. Now, we all have heard about them and we all know them. In the past 20 or 30 years, it's been worship wars. It's all about who gets to control church the way we want it. I like this kind of music. Well, I like that kind of music. Well, I like this kind of preaching. Well, I like that kind of preaching. And we want it the way we want it. Sometimes we'll... We'll spend more time finding what's wrong with the preacher, what's wrong with the song service, what's wrong with how everything's been working instead of what's right about it. I'm going to warn you right now. If you're looking for, uh, there's lots wrong here, okay? Uh, tons, all right? You don't even have to look very hard, okay? 
If you're going to do that, if you're going to come to church and go, but I want to make sure, if, you know, and, and you spend all your time doing that, you're going to be sadly disappointed. Because you're trying to control what is happening in worship. What is really interesting in the t- story of the Tower of Babel is it says in verse 4, man wants to na- make a name for himself. Let's get famous. Let's get it so everybody knows about us. And if you read in the story, it's, it's as if God says, hey, let's go down there and see this thing, this tower, because it's so puny, I can't even see it really good from up here. Let's go down there and look around. It's such a puny tower compared to what God does. God goes down and he topples that tower. Friends, today I want us to consider how puny our God of control really is. The idol that we worship of control. Because we can only control that which accounts for very little in our life. Do you realize that every day, every single day, your life is significantly impacted by events and things over which you have zero control? You're driving fine. You've got your seatbelt buckled. You've got both hands on the wheel. You're not speeding. You're not texting. You're not eating. And a speeding car changes your day. Yes, no. Over which you have no control over which you are trying so hard to control what you can control, but you cannot control that other other car. I'll tell you one that cracks me up around here, and I do it too. Weather. Do you realize how little, and by little I mean zero control we have over weather? I have weather apps on my phone, and all that tells me is how little control I really have. And if you've lived around here any amount of time, and you look at that, and well, in 10 days we're supposed to get around, oh, 10 days, 10, 10 minutes, it doesn't even matter. You know, those things don't even have any control over anything. They're just telling us what's going on. You want to check it at your house? I'll, I'll show you what control really matters. Go unplug the Wi-Fi. Mom! I mean, the, the world is coming to a crashing end. We don't have a router. It, will, it changes everything. You see, we have very little control. Yertle's tower toppled by a burp. And what's really interesting to me is how mad we get at our lack of control. Do we realize that life does not recognize you and me as master in fact life does not life never gets mastered we never get it under control i saw one the other day the biggest lie of adulthood is we'll get more time next week we were we were brian and sarah we were talking about this last week that's the biggest lie of adulthood is after next week it'll slow down next week never gets here it never slows down do you realize, look, I'm not speaking prophecy over you. I'm not speaking blessings or cursing over you. But the reality is, the numbers tell us that a year from now, somebody in this room is going to be in a very serious battle with cancer. Now, I'm not speaking that over anybody. I'm just saying the abs- the, just the numbers. A year from now, somebody in this room Maybe dealing with a very difficult job situation. What's our next step? Should we move? Should we lose? What are we going to do? Somebody in this room a year from now might be preparing for an estate sale because they have just gone to a funeral they didn't want to go to. I'm honored and privileged to get to do funerals. In my funeral, there's, I always put a line in there that says, Death invades. It never politely knocks on the door and says, hey, is this a convenient time? doesn't do that. doesn't matter. It, things happen when things happen. And I have no control over that. But I don't want it to be all doom and gloom. I think a year from now, somebody in this room might be holding a baby that they don't know anything about right now. See, some of the dads just went, ugh. 
stop, 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 whatever you're talking about, stop it. But maybe it's a grandbaby. Now that would seem worse. Some of you went, please shut up. All right, just stop talking. Do you realize how little control over these things we have? I had a friend in college that she was getting married next spring, and then we're going we're gonna to be married for two years, and then I'm going to get pregnant in March, and then we're going to have a baby around Christmas. And, and then two years later, we're going to have a little girl. And I was like, I'm not a doctor, but I don't think that's how it works, all right? And we, we make these plans like we can control these things. I was really pondering all of this this week and writing stuff down, and I, I, I got this. Most of the good things that have happened in my life, I didn't orchestrate. And most of the bad things in my life, I didn't anticipate. If anyone can control life, I'll tell you who could do it. It was Solomon. Solomon had money, he had power, he had fame, he had riches, he had wisdom, he had resources. And even he couldn't control life. Listen to this from Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 11. I saw that under the sun the race is not always to the swift, nor the battle always to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Most of us don't like that word chance being in Bible, but it's there. Time and chance happen to them all. Maybe God rigged it this way to remind us we are creation, not creator. You hearing me? Never once has God stepped down off his throne, called me and sat down on the couch with me and say, All right, Don, tell me your opinion of how my kingdom is working. He's never once called me, never once asked my opinion. You know why? Because it's his kingdom. It's not mine. Now, I give him all kinds of advice. Whether he takes it or not, it's irrelevant. I mean, it's his kingdom. Psalm 115 verse 3 says, Our God is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. Friends, our God has never surrendered control. Not to you, not to me, not to any of us. He is still in control. Maybe the most important verse in the whole Bible is the very first one. In the beginning, God. It takes a whole whopping four words to tell you who's in charge. It is not my world. It is His. Friends, God is never threatened. How great is our God. We sing those things and then we translate it in my, my, my brain as, How great are my plans. Song doesn't work that way. How great is our God? He is never threatened. He is never surprised. Not one thing out of the last two years has ever surprised God. And if you, if you doubt that, go read Romans 13. Read it really slow because there's not one leader in place that has surprised him. There's not one thing that has happened that is out of his control. And it is foolish for me to bow down to an idol called control when all it does is frustrate me. You know who really gets this? People that have been through recovery. AA, NA, addiction to porn, addiction to shopping, addiction to gambling. Because the very first lesson they teach you is I am powerless. I'm not in control. Friends, I'm so proud that we are associated. We, we have five groups of AA that meet at this building. We have three that meet over at the campus house every week, including one that's a Spanish only. To, to impact people where they are hurting. That is, a, that is a praise God. That is exactly who we need to be attached to. And the very first thing they say is, you've got to surrender to a higher power. If you don't do that, you're never going to get that monkey off your back. It's just not, it's not going to happen. Now, I'll tell you, it is very hard. But when you do, when you truly surrender to a power that is higher than you, you will love people better. Now, most of us recognize this, right? L1, L2, love God, love others. These are our core values here at Central. They matter to us. But I will tell you, there is one constant to a control freak's life. And the one thing that drives them crazy. You know what it is? People. People drive control freaks nuts. You know why? They don't do what you want. 
I got a hunch, I'm not going to make you raise hands, but I got a hunch that in here, there's a large number of us, and you're thinking right now of somebody that is frustrating you because they will not let you fix them. Some of you got real quiet. (laughs) Maybe that's somebody sitting right next to you. Oh, Don's really meddling now. All right. They won't, they won't let you fix them because you could fix them. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5. It's written down on your bulletin, but I want you to look at this. I want you to get this. Highlight it. Circle it. 2 Corinthians 4 5. Paul is talking to the people in Corinth. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for his sake. Jesus as Lord, we are servants in that order. That is the correct order. It is the correct order that will give us peace. When He is Lord, and we are servants. Friends, if people are constantly putting you in a bad mood, that might be a red flag that Jesus is not in the right place. Now, that's ugly. That hurts. But sometimes people have a great Jesus as a great Savior, but not as a Lord. I'm drowning. I want somebody to rescue me. I want Him to be my Lord. You realize Jesus is Lord appears nearly 300 times in the New Testament. Jesus is Lord. It tells about His divine authority. And being Lord it means I'm surrendering to that authority. A lot of people say, oh yeah, I like Jesus. But you know, I don't really need the church. I don't really need any of that. Do you realize that concept will never show up in this book? That concept is foreign. It's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. I like God, but I don't really need the church. I don't need all this. I'm going to make a bold statement. I need you to hear me really close. Some people that go to church have not surrendered to Jesus. But Don, I've been baptized. But Don, I go to church. It's not what I asked, okay? Some people that go to church, some people that do nice things, some people that read the Bible and say all the right things have never surrendered lordship. And that's a big deal. Friends, surrender is is giving up the right to control the outcome. It's letting Him be God. I promise you, you will get more peace when you do. And when you surrender, you'll have better praise. You'll love better and you'll praise better. I'm really hit with this this week, overwhelmed with this this week. Control freaks, we act like our circumstances are greater than God's command to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, give thanks in all circumstances unless you don't want to. It's not quite outreach. Give thanks in all circumstances unless it's really not on your schedule this week. He says, give thanks in all circumstances. And I'm, I'm overwhelmed at how upset and angry and stressed and control freak I get. And I forget he commanded me to give thanks. And when I do, I'll find I'm less worried and I praise more. I'll tell you, it happens on Sunday morning. We're singing. I'm trying to make sure my guitar's in tune. I'm trying to make sure everybody's getting in. Do we get all the right stuff out? Is everything laid out right quick? And then we get the great, are you Lord? It's just, man, I just need to let it go. Test yourself. Does the news, what is watching the news, does it raise your blood pressure? Anyone? Anyone? I, I got I to help for you. Here's what you do. Take the remote, find the big red off button, and push it. And start praising. Get away from those things and start celebrating the things that God does. Are you always worried about what's the next thing coming down the pike? What's, what's next? What are we worried about? Start praising God. And surrendering more. You're worried about false prophets and teachings and all kinds of things. It's going to suck all the life out of you. If you're coming to church worried about the what's the next thing said, you're not going to, in, you're not going to be 
abandoned to God in surrender. Question, when I've lost control, has God lost his throne? Absolutely not. He is still God. That verse that Marie read, why are you so downcast, O my soul? It's as if the psalmist is having a fight with himself. He's he's yelling, self, why are you so downcast? Why are you upset? Why is all this stuff stressing you out? Why is it taking all your joy? He said, praise God. Put your trust in Him. Put your hope in Him. I'm going to praise Him. Friends, organization in your life is not bad. It's very good. Structure in your life is not bad. It is very good. Being aware of what is going on in culture, being aware of what is going on in the church is not bad. But I promise you, the God of control will never give you the peace and the security you want. So maybe the toughest of all tough questions is this. Which God will you worship while you deal with the uncontrollability of life? An idol or the one true God? Friends, we have got to smash the American idol of control. I love what Wayne had to say today. I love what Wes had to say last week. The things that matter. We all got problems. We need to get to the business of telling people about Jesus. Smash the idol of we're under, we get to control everything. Just surrender. And when we do, we will find more peace even in the middle of the chaos. We've been singing this song, Make Room. I will make room for you to do what you want to do. So I'm going to invite you, listen closely, I'm going to invite you to not sing unless you can make this a true prayer. I will make room for you to do what you want to do, God. That's what this is. This is a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of submission. And I'm going to invite you to not sing until you are able to sing that as a surrender. To do whatever you want to do. Friends, surrender. Maybe that means you need to be baptized. Maybe that means you need to change some things in your life. Maybe that needs you need to let go and let him be God. Thank you for listening to audio from Central Christian Church in Portales, New Mexico. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To connect with us, visit our website at centralwired.org.